Turn to uh, 2 Samuel chapter 11. 2 Samuel uh, chapter 11. I call this the, uh, the bankrupt uh, chapter uh, for David. It is, it's how it reminds me of this is the chapter when, when David just, uh, just ended up failing. Uh, failing. Before I was a uh, pastor, I, I was actually uh, studying to be a, a civil engineer. A civil engineer is, is uh, somebody who really is looking at uh, uh, rail, you know, railroads. They're looking at uh, highways, uh, looking at buildings, understanding how the foundations and the structure of, of buildings are, are made. And, and one of that process was uh, we were able to, in, in the big city, especially uh, when we just came from Dallas area, but in Dallas, when a building is going to come down, an old building uh, that hasn't been uh, occupied for quite some time, it's really dangerous uh, because the foundation starts to get uh, weak, and we have a lot of homeless people in the south where it's a little bit warmer than here. Uh, this is freezing here. It's like, was it nine degrees this morning? Um, but it was, it's freezing. Over there, it's cold when it's 30-something degrees. But uh, we have a lot of homeless people, and so the homeless people go into these abandoned buildings, and uh, when the buildings end up starting to collapse, uh, some of them die. And so as, as in city engineers, what they do is they go out and they uh, plan to destroy the buildings, uh, demolish it, you know, uh, level it, make sure that all, everything is down, and then they'll build it from the, uh, the ground up. Now, there's two ways of doing it. As some of you have seen where, I mean, it's pretty obvious if you drive up to a building and there is, a, you know, a crane with those big cement balls uh, from the outside and it just swings and starts to destroy the building. That's one way of doing it. Uh, the one that I liked, I always got to see, is where they go in and they, they set dynamite on the inside. And they all of a sudden, you don't see it. If you're walking by, you, you don't know if they're going to destroy that building that day or not. Uh, until you hear the sound, the sirens, and as soon as you hear the sirens, then all of a sudden it explodes and the building just comes, comes down. It reminds me, though, of the Christian life. You know, we can be, everybody always says, that, you know, it's the world that destroys us, and like that cement ball on the outside that destroys the buildings, uh, that, that's one way that, you know, Satan can get us was, is through the world. All the world's desires and the world's temptation. But most times that I've seen, especially like in a Christian academy uh, that I've seen, and I still have contact with uh, a, lot of, a lot of the kids that were there that we, that we had, it is it, it, just like that building implodes from the inside a lot of Christians, a lot of disciples for Christ who once started out strong uh, self-implode. They implode. It is their fault, not the world's fault, that they, they fall. So today I want to talk to you about three ways the disciples fall. Uh, three ways uh, disciples uh, fall. Now who's on the football team here? Okay. Basketball team? All right, who's, who's in any type of athletics? All right. Uh, who has at least one friend? All right. Who has a heartbeat this morning? All right, I think I got, I, I think I got everybody. Uh, but everybody in here is a leader. 
every, everyone in here, and let me, let me uh, go ahead and have a definition of what a leader is uh, in our study today. A leader is anybody that influences other people. So everyone in here influences somebody one way or another. We all have an influence on, on people. A disciple of Jesus Christ uh, intentionally is supposed to intentionally influence the world. I mean, Jesus tells us in Matthew 5, right? It's, we are the, the lights of the world, the salt uh, of the earth. And we are to influence those around us in our communities and, and in, in, our, in our life. Now, we don't uh, intentionally wake up in the morning I mean, and say, you know, today I'm going to rebel against God. Today, I'm going to decide I'm going to be a bad influence uh, for uh, the kingdom of heaven. I, I don't believe that any of us wake up with the intent of doing, the things, uh, doing things wrong. But like in that building that implodes, it doesn't just, we don't, you know, the engineers don't just go in and, and set the dynamite and, and it comes down. It takes weeks, if not months to really understand the, the, the design of the building, where the, the weak points are, uh, how to set the charges, uh, the wind factor, a lot of factors that come in here. It takes time. So it's not overnight that all of a sudden a, a good disciple of Christ falls. It, it takes time. And our Bible study today shows us an example of that where a, a good disciple... Uh, somebody that was following God. In fact, uh, King David is somebody that was said that this is a man after my own, my own heart. This is somebody that loved God. This is somebody that when all Israel seemed defeated by the Philistines, King David is the only one that was standing up uh, for God. I mean, he is the one that was chosen to lead God's God's people. So this was a godly man. And so we have a chance in, in these passages today to see somebody that loved God with all of his heart, all of his mind, all of his soul, all of his strength fall. It, it gives us an example that, it, that is written down. It gives us an example of, hey, the, we need to write these things down. If this man fell, and so can we. An example of, if we write these things down, uh, this, is, this is something that I don't want to do. Now, the first thing that we do, let's go ahead and turn, you're there at 2 Samuel 11. Let's start reading in verse 1. It says, I'm going to read out of the ESV. It says, in the spring of the year, at the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab and the servant, his servants with him and all Israel. And they ravaged the Ammonites and the besieged uh, Rahab. My, uh, yeah, second Samuel. Uh, but David remained at Jerusalem. It happened late one afternoon when David arose from his couch and was uh, walking on the roof of the king's house that he saw from the roof a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful. And David sent and inquired about the woman. And one said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Elam, the wife of Uriah, the Hittite? So David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him, and he laid with her. Now, she had been uh, purifying herself from un her uncleanness. 
uh, then she returned in uh, her house. So at this point in the study, David is at the top of his game. I mean, David uh, has already seen mighty ones fall. He has conquered his enemies. He has seen where uh, the, the tabernacle or the, uh, the, the Ark of the Covenant has already been brought back to Jerusalem. I mean, he has made it. He is there. He is king. The whole nation is, is one. And he has God right there in, in, his, in his presence. But now David, in chapter 11, though, is, is bankrupt. And you want to see one of the reasons that a, a disciple of Christ fell, uh, falls. One of the reasons why a good man, a, a good disciple of Christ who follows Christ with his whole heart uh, uh, fails. Now, the first one is that he isolated himself. He isolated himself. He, he took himself out of the game. When David should have been at war... I mean, we see this in verse 1. It says, In the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab. He sent his armies out to fight. And so David should have been there. He should have been with them. He should have been surrounded by his leaders. Later, Joab, we know that as David wanted to count his, his people, he wanted to count the armies. He wanted to see how many people that he had. He wanted to see what his strength was in. And Joab, Joab said, that is, that is disgusting, David. That is something that God doesn't want to do. Joab was holding David accountable. But not today. Not today because Joab was out in the field. David was by himself. He isolated himself. See, when things get, when things get hard... We tend to pull away from people. I say it all the time in church. All of a sudden, they have a hard time in church or they disagree uh, with, with somebody. All of a sudden, they sit in the back. They usually are, are up front and they're paying attention. And all of a sudden, they start making their way to the back. I know when people start sitting on the back that they are, they're getting ready to leave the church. Because now they're pulling away from everybody. They, they want to come in the church and then... And then as soon as the message is let, uh, uh, ended, they, they leave. Because they don't want to talk to anybody. They start to pull away. We know, you know, if all of a sudden uh, you get mad at a friend, uh, do you really want to hang out with that friend? No, you, you want to pull away from them. If that friend says something that you don't like, you, you kind of stay away from them, give them the cold shoulder for a while. When you, uh, are, when you get mad at your parents... Uh, you want to stay with your parents and talk to them? Or do you want to kind of go to your room? You want to get away from them, shut the door? I mean, that's what I did. If I got mad at my mother, my, my father, uh, I, just, I went to my room, shut the door, and that's where I wanted to stay for a while. But that's what we do. As, as humans, we want to pull away. When things get hard, we pull away. And that's exactly what David was doing. He was pulling away uh, from people. Now, how do you... How do you not isolate yourself? You see, as I was talking to some of my, uh, my students, my prior students uh, in New Mexico, uh, when they were there, when they were with their friends, when they were around us, we could hold them accountable. But now that they're out of school, out of their home, in, in somewhere else that is foreign to them, 
all of a sudden I get to see that their decline. They don't want to talk to anybody. They want to get away from all their friends. But let me, add, let me say, just because they're around other people, just because you're around other people doesn't mean that you're not isolated. See, isolation is not just you not being around people. It's actually you being around people uh, that uh, tell you what you want to hear. You can be around a lot of people and still be isolated from those people that you need to be around. As an example, Nathan came along in in chapter 12. He was brave. He realized that a prophet coming to a king, a king could actually kill that prophet. So Nathan all of a sudden was, had bravery, he was courage, and he came to David and he told David that he was wrong. Those are the type of people that you need to be around. You need to fill your life with a Nathan, at least one Nathan, a one Joab, somebody that is going to be brave enough to tell you that you're wrong. It is in life, if you have a boyfriend and, you know, your boyfriend and girlfriend, then you guys get in an argument. The, girl, the, girl goes, the girls go uh, you know, to their friends and uh, you know, tell their side of the story, and then all your girlfriends, you know, it's, yeah, yeah, he, he's, he, he's a deadbeat. I can't believe you're still with him. And the guys are like, man, you need to leave her you know, uh, with, the, with their guy friend. They take their sides. But what you need is, is somebody to say, well, what did you do in that relationship? What did you say? How can you make things right? Not to be isolated is to have people around you that are going to tell you the truth. They're going to be brave. They're going to be, have courage to tell you the truth. Now, depending on your maturity and your faith is how you respond you see, a lot of times, if you're immature in your faith and you've been isolated for a long time, all of a sudden that person comes and, and reminds you of what you should be doing. How you respond is going to indicate how close you are uh, to God in your faith. Not only do disciples fall because they become isolated, but disciples fall because they're bored, because of their boredom. Now, I put in here, uh, in ignoring your boredom will lead to failure. Ignoring your boredom will lead to your failure. Boredom will lead to your fall. Boredom is an indication that you are not satisfied or desired or, uh, or something else. You need something else. Wow. Who should we be satisfied in? We should be satisfied in the Lord. The Lord should be all that we need and all that we want. But when that's not the case, we, we, get, we get bored. David in Psalms 57, he wrote, I, I am drawn to the Lord. I am in awe of the Lord. But not today. Not, not tonight that he wasn't. Let's look at uh, verse 2. It says, David, in verse 2, it says, It happened late one afternoon when David arose from his, his couch and was walking on the roof of the king's house. That's when he saw. That's when he saw the desire of his eyes. That's when he was tempted. He was bored. It was late afternoon. He should have been in the war, right? But he was bored. Nobody else was around. Uh, you know, ESPN was turned off. 
uh, you know, his favorite football team or, or basketball team wasn't playing. Uh, there was no reception on his cell phone. He just, he was bored. He was just bored. So he got up, and that's what happened. All of a sudden, now he was where he wasn't supposed to, uh, supposed to be. Now, it, it, there, uh, when I came from in Israel, when I was in Israel last summer, you got to see exactly, because the city of David, you have Jerusalem, and then you have the, the city of David, which is down here, but everything goes downhill. And so if David's on, in, on his, in his palace, on the roof, he got to see all the rooftops. And so he knew it. He went on the rooftop, he got to see all the rooftops, and that's where the people bathe. And he knew when the people were, were bathing, so it wasn't like he just accidentally went out there and looked. He knew exactly what he was doing. When we get bored, what do we fill our time with? Well, I can tell you that when we get bored, that's when all of a sudden we start to try to fill our, those desires, our emptiness with other things. Like pornography. Like bad relationships. And I'll, you fill in the blank. I like what one author wrote, all humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room. Why can't we pray longer than five minutes? Why can't we just stay on our knees for quite some time because we get bored? God seems not to be the only desire that will fill our, our longings in our hearts. You know, uh, like material stuff and possessions. It is, you know, why does consumerism just run rampant? How many of you have the, uh, the new iPhone? The new, see, I have the new Galaxy, the new Galaxy uh, 9 Note. Well, I, the, the one before, I had the one that was five. So it was like three years old, my other one. I don't get a phone until, until it wears out. But, you know, if you get the new iPhone, I guarantee you what, in three or four months, there's going to be a new iPhone out. There's going to be a new this out. Because that's exactly where the, the, our culture is. It is, we cannot be satisfied with the, the thing that we have. We, it get, we get bored with it, and we need something else. When I got out of high school, I, I had a car. It was a, a Toyota. It was really cool. You know, it was only $100 a month, and I, I could afford that. But I was coming home from college, and I saw a Z28, a, a Camaro, a Z28 Camaro. I had to have that. I got that. Got into debt, and that was a fast car, but I, got, I soon got bored with that, too, and I needed something faster. We all, we, we tend to, like computers, we have a computer, it, it's a fast computer, but then it slows, it, we seem, it seems to slow down on us, so we need something faster. That happens, later on, that happens in jobs. People have a job, they get bored, they're not satisfied with that. A relationship. They're not satisfied with that relationship. And they move on. So not only do we find ourselves in isolation that destroy us, but boredom also is a sign that we are, are headed for failure. Now in the Gospels, there's a formula that God gives us. If you want to be a disciple of Christ Jesus, He gives us a formula. If you want to follow Christ, He gives us a formula. And that is what? Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Him. 
You see, when you're bored, you're looking at your interests, your desires. But if we're following Christ, what that really means, you can't be following somebody if, you have your, if your eyes are somewhere else. If you have your eyes on someone else, right behind them, then you're going to follow that person. That's kind of the indication that I'm following Christ Jesus, meaning now I have my eyes on Christ and Christ alone. Where he goes, I go. But if you're in front of him, can you follow him? Where are your eyes? David writes in Psalm 63, is, I meditate on you in the watches of night. That was after the fact. That was after he fell. After he saw that, that he, he, uh, he was a failure. He says, now I know. Now I know it is to meditate on God. When you get bored, run to God's Word. Ask God to, to give you and that satisfaction that you need in your heart at that time. Don't go out and search for it as David did that night and his heart was bored. We get isolated. We get bored. Here's the last one I want to talk about. A disciple, a disciple of Christ fails out of arrogance. Out of arrogance. Arrogance is in believing too much of yourself, which is what? Pride. What does the Bible teach us about pride? Before the pride, all of a sudden, the destruction. And great is that, is that fall. Arrogance leads to entitlement. I deserve. I deserve this. Look at verse uh, 3 and 4 of this passage. And it says, David sent and, re- and inquired about the woman... And one said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Elam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? I mean, somebody told David, David, uh, you're lusting after this woman. Uh, she is married to somebody else. David should have said, Oh, um, my mistake. And somebody else should have said, Well, David, don't you have wives already? Why are you looking at somebody else? But what did David do? After he knew that this was Uriah's wife, what did he do? He still, in verse 4, and so uh, David sent messages and took her, and she came. Out of David's arrogance, I'm the king. I deserve whatever I want. Don't you know who I am? Don't you know what I've done? Look Look at my accomplishments. Arrogance has now leaked into the heart of David. You know, before he was a shepherd boy, before he was, he said, this is the Lord's army. Today, he's saying, this is my army. I'll do with it what I want to do with it. He sent them out when he was supposed to be there. He went and got somebody else's wife when he, he shouldn't have. If his heart was still with God, he wouldn't have been here. The thing about pride is, is that it is so easy to, to uh, detect in somebody else. It is so easy to point out, man, they are arrogant. They're prideful. Look how they're boasting. 
Look how they carry themselves. But it's really hard to see pride in our own heart. I like C.S. Lewis says, the more you notice other people's pride indicates how much pride is in your heart. Arrogance is when you start comparing and judging others. I have more than them. I am better than them. I, am looking, I look better than they do. I have better grades. I have more talent in you fill in the blank. And here's something that you all have to be careful of. Because I, as, as a, I was doing chapel all the time at, at our academy there in New Mexico for 18 years. Is now all of a sudden you're in a Christian academy. And you're lucky to be here. And you have a great education. But what happens at times, you go and, and you start pointing your finger at other people. I'm more spiritual than they are. Because I go to a Christian academy. I spend more time in God's Word. I spend more time studying God. David was a man after God's own heart. He was the only one in Israel that was chasing after God. We shouldn't be satisfied. We shouldn't rejoice in what we do for God. But we should rejoice in God. It is not what we do for God that satisfies God. It is who we are in God, who we are in Christ, that satisfies God. The frightening thing is, as David saw this happen to a, a, a recent ruler in Saul, he saw somebody make these same mistakes, isolating himself, getting bored and doing other things. The arrogance of Saul. He saw these things. In, ch in chapter 1 of 2 Samuel, David is lamenting and he's crying out, Oh, how mighty the, 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 uh, the mighty have fallen. He's crying. He sees how the mighty have fallen. But yet in chapter 11, he himself, who was mighty, uh, fell the same way. And caution, this not happened to you. Because so you can say, well, that's never going to happen to me. Pastor, you, you, you don't understand the family that I'm in. You don't understand that we're in a Christian school. You don't understand that we're always surrounded by Christian things. It ain't going to happen to us. Be careful when you say that. When you start saying that, all of a sudden that is arrogance. That is pride lifting up. We see this in, in sports all the time. I mean, who, who's going to win the Super Bowl this year? I don't know. Rams, uh, the Patriots, it doesn't matter. Whoever wins is going to say, man, we are undefeatable. We, nobody can defeat us. Nobody can beat us. We are the best. And then they go into the next season and they fall. It's pretty hard to be a, a, a Super Bowl champion year after year. It's pretty hard to be a, a disciple of Christ. Because our heart is deceitful, it's desperately wicked, it's always chasing after other things. What we need to do to get our heart right is, is do what David did in Psalm 51 and pray, Lord, 
Give me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me, Lord. We've got to stay close to God. Because, oh, how the mighty have fallen. Are you going to look at these warnings? Are you going to, you know, under isolation? When you break up in your small groups, ask yourself. Do some soul searching. Look at your friends. Look at the inventory of your friends. Do I have the Nathans around me? Do I have the Joabs around me? Is there somebody in my life that will speak truth to me? That will really tell me if I have spaghetti on my face before I go out there? Is there somebody that will tell me when I'm doing wrong in life? That will encourage me? That will invest in me? Do I have that person? Ask yourself, what do you fill your... Your, what do you fill your time with when you're bored? What do you seek after? Do you go to the computer? Do you get on your phone? What do you seek? What do you fill your time with when you are, when you are bored? Are you praying to God and, and saying, God, I am nothing. You are everything. Ask yourself in your prayer life, or do you spend most of your time asking God for things? Or do you spend most of your time in your prayer life praying for others and worshiping God? A lot of times in our prayer life, we'll all we'll sit there and ask God, Lord, I need this. Lord, help me here. Lord, can you feel my, my desire here? Matthew 6 gives us a, an example of, of what prayer, the Lord's prayer is. It isn't, this is what you pray, this is how you pray. And in the, the first part of that, most of it is about God. And then, at the end, it's about us. And it's about us repenting of our sin. It's about who we are in Christ. What do we deserve? We deserve death. It is only through Christ that we, that we have life. Let's bow and pray. Lord, our Heavenly Father, we ask and we pray that you do give us a clean heart. Lord, I, I pray that these, these young adults, these students, will seek after you with a whole heart, with a pure heart. That they will surround themselves with, with Christian friends that will hold them accountable. That will be brave enough and courageous enough to tell them when they're wrong. Lord, our Heavenly Father, we thank you for just the opportunity to keep this school alive with the godly teachers and the leadership that care about these, these students, that invest their, their time and energy and love uh, into these students. We pray as they surround themselves with, with more people that when they get out of here, they will be uh, disciples, they will be lights, they will be salt, they will have success in you and you alone. Lord, and thank you for the opportunity just to, to be here, to be your spokesperson, to give out the message. And Lord, we are, are definitely students of your word. We, we are, thank you for writing this down, the failure of a godly man in your word, so we can have that as an example, a blueprint on what not to do. Help us not to implode in ourselves. It it's hard enough to keep the outside influences away. Keep our hearts right for you. We love you and we ask these things in Jesus' precious and holy name.
Amen.